Tapes and Scouts, a podcast where two friends review every single movie they watch. Time to podcast. My favorite thing about podcasting, specifically on Tapes and Scouts, is A, Tim is here. Hi. So that's great. Thanks. I get out of this little tiny room into the slightly bigger room that's next door, which is nice. It's a little more light comes in here. So that's really, really cool. And then we get to talk about movies a bunch. Yep. It's very, this is kind of Mystery Science Theater 3000, where I just kind of let you watch a bunch of movies and you go back into your, your potato hood and, and you and the knife puppy snuggle. Mm-hmm. We do. It's a lot of scars. I'm sorry. It's a lot of, now that my skin is basically one large callus, it's fine. That's true. The knives are less effective, which is great. Can't hurt you. Not yet. One day. One day, definitely. One day, I'm sorry. Well, let's talk about movies. Ooh, I like those. Movies. Movies. Would you like to go first or would you like me to go first? Oh, I'll start this party. Oh, let's do it. I'm going to keep going. Yes. Uh,. Still need a credit. Still don't need a credit card to ride this train. Wow! Yeah. Still, still don't need it. It is 1989, Back to the Future Part Two. Dos. Yeah, I watched this in August of 2020. It is one hour and 48 minutes. It's a sci-fi comedy directed by Robbie Z. Did you watch these back to back? I watched these back to back. Yes, same day. Like yeah, one. Then we, the following weekend, we watched two and three. Nice. Because Sam was like, I saw the first one, but when I was really young, so I barely remember it. And I was like, oh, these are nearly perfect, so we need to watch these. Yes. Starring Elizabeth Shue, Thomas F. Wilson, who we referenced a bunch in the last episode, Mm -hmm. and one of our favorites, Billy Zane. Ah, there he is. Love Billy Zane on this podcast. Hi, Billy. He is the greatest. IMDb movie summary. After trying to get rich in 2015, Marty must repeat his visit to 1955 to prevent disastrous changes to the timeline due to his own greed. Mm. Damn you, Marty. Just effing up. So I know that... All right, so let me just first off start by saying, if Back to the Future 2 or 3 are your favorite Back to the Future, you are fucking... They wrong. You are wrong. <laughs> you are wrong, and I will fight you with my callousy body. Ooh. Yeah, he's just going to hug you and, and rub. Yep, and you're going to be really... It's going to be like an Indian burn all over your body. It's going right. to hurt a lot. And he's going to start dripping pus and blood and stuff. Well, so. that's just... That's the norm. Yeah. Yeah. That's what yeah, happens now. You don't want that. I'm one big infection. I, I agree with you, but I'm ve- I'm very curious how close two and three come to one. Yeah. I have a feeling in my head. Okay. I have a feeling whereabouts you'll put them. All right. Fair but enough. We'll, but we'll see. Um, I think that this is a really cool idea for a sequel. I love the idea that Michael J. Fox is literally following around Michael J. Fox in 1955. I think that's a, a pretty neat little idea. Yes. The look into the future is, is a fascinating one. Like uh, how little of it actually came to fruition is funny. There's no flying cars. Our houses aren't filled with fax machines. We don't have little tiny pizzas that expand into giant pizzas. We did get that cool hat. We did get the cool hat. I have the cool hat. I don't have the jacket that just auto fits me. I don't have shoes that auto lace because Nike only released very few pairs of those in 2015. So not much has really come true. They certainly have not abolished all lawyers. No hoverboards. Not well, really. kind of, yeah, not like, not like that. Right. Not like a legit hoverboard. Certainly not a, uh, what's the uh, pit bull? The big, the like, they go, keep it. I got a pit bull now. Yeah. I think this is the, this kind of the flip, the switch flipping for Zemeckis, where he's starting to become obsessed with new technology. This was like the Panaglide film, I believe, was the, the technology here. So he could put Marty and Marty in the same frame. And that kind of became a thing. And Marty plays 
old Marty. He plays Marty Jr. He plays female Marty, the daughter, how whatever that is. And then he's in there as a woman, which is strange. But he plays all these in the same shot a lot of the time. Which one was Eddie Murphy? He wasn't in this one, believe it or not. Dang. It's, he, Eddie Murphy definitely took a nod from this and sure did. coming to America a bunch. <laughs> well, I guess maybe Zemeckis took a nod from him because I think coming to America was earlier in the 80s and 89. I think it was. Yeah. So, But I don't remember for sure. Trading Places, I think, when we did it in the podcast, 83 or 84. So that was earlier 80s. And then yes. Coming to America was after that because the Dukes are in Coming to America because they're homeless. Oh, that's right. Yeah. Okay. So I want to say Coming to America, I'd probably put in the 86, 87 realm. So in that vein, though, but they could actually just lump them all into the same shot. All of them. Which is cool. A bunch of different Michael J. Foxes. Foxen? F- Fox Eye? Fox Eye. Um, but it's a neat idea. It's fun. The music's great in this one as well. No surprise there. Everything's pretty good. There's just, there's a lot of problems. Not, none more obvious than the big timeline issue when Biff goes into it, creates a different future and then time travels back to the same future somehow because they need to put him back so that the DeLorean can be there so that, you know, otherwise the whole movie would be them stuck in the future. So interesting concept. But, you know what I mean? Like, I don't think you think about it too much because the movies are just really enjoyable. Sure. But the first one's not without time travel, like, conundrums or issues. But the the second one is way more apparent. And I think he tends, and we'll get into the third one, but I think he simplified a lot based on kind of the problems of the second one. But overall, a very fun movie. There's a lot to enjoy here. It's just hard not to want to go on an adventure with Marty McFly and Doc That's Brown. True. It's very true. IMDb, 7.8 out of 10. Rotten Tomatoes critics, 61 critics went back and gave this 66%, which wow. I thought was like way low. Uh, audience, 250,000 plus gave this 85%. Okay. And I'm coming in. I'd, I'd put you at an 8.5. 8.0. Ooh, that's close. 10. Yeah. All right. Interesting. Yeah. What do you think? If you had to give it a score. I would probably be around an 8 or an 8.5. Okay. I, I definitely would have to re-watch it, because I, sometimes I confuse what was in 1 and what was in 2. Mm-hmm. 3 is different enough that it, that doesn't really happen. It wasn't in the West. No. Then it would happen in 3. <laughs> but two, two's got the, the sports almanac, right? That's Correct. Two. Yep. And that's exactly what I would do, Biff. Yeah. Absolutely, Biff. That's You're right. my hero, Biff. I love the, the Biffco <laughs> stuff. It's so great. Very good. Yeah. I would probably be around an 8 or an 8.5. Fair enough. Well... This movie, I'm gonna, I'm gonna do a movie. You ready? Please. I can't remember if I did this movie or not. Oh, that's exciting! So you're gonna possibly blob this one, huh? I might. I can't remember if I did it or not because I picked this movie. Everybody's like, "It's your turn. Pick a movie." And my wife's like, "You already picked this." I was like, "I don't remember." She's like, "We watched it not that long ago." I'm wow. Like, did we? <laughs> Beverly Hills Ninja. Ooh, that's a good question. Yeah, I can't I, recall it for sure. I don't uh, think. I do not think that it's been reviewed on this podcast. I'm gonna, I'm gonna lay my money down on no. Okay, well, we'll go with it. I love this movie, by the way. Oh, it's it's a fun one. If if you had said that I had done this, I would have had a backup movie to take okay. its place. But since we don't know, we'll do it again or possibly do it for I the first time. I think it's the first time. I'm going to go with first time. That's my I, prob- I probably watched it with my family, but like right before we started this podcast. I'm putting my money down on first time reviewed. All right, well, this is the first time this movie's ever been reviewed. Yeah. Beverly Hills Ninjas from 1997. I watched it on the 11th of February. It's an hour 28 action comedy directed by Dennis Dugan, starring Chris Farley, Nicolette Sheridan, 
and Robin Show. Show? Show? I don't know how he says it. Yeah, Mortal Kombat. Mortal Kombat, Liu Kang. Yeah. He was your go-to if you needed an Asian martial artist for your film. He was the go-to guy in the 90s. He was. And he's still pretty great now. Still mm-hmm. looks good. Yeah. I don't know if you've seen him recently. Guy's still ripped. That's awesome. Maybe even more ripped. That's possible. Chris oh, Rock oh, in this movie, too? Chris Rock is great in this. He's yeah. just kind of like, whatever Chris Farley says to do, he's like, yeah, I'm gonna, I'll go do it. Yeah. yeah. IMDb movie summary. A man tries to rescue a woman with a little help from his half-brother. I kid you not, that is the summary that is on Wow, that's... What? Super vague. Oh my goodness. Boo. It's not wrong. No, but it's like, you don't mention ninjutsu. You don't... This movie is a... Spoofy version of the origin of Iron Fist, essentially. That's a fair way to put it. If you know Iron Fist from the comics, it's this, you know, white baby ends up in Asian countries, trained by monks, learns ninjutsu kind of thing. Mm -hmm. It's basically that. But West Dragons. Yes. Of course, of course. Yeah. But uh the thing is, it's Chris Farley, so it's a sillier movie. Chris Farley was a huge man, if you're not familiar. He was. Huge man. And I got to tell you, he does some pretty good stunt work in this. There's His physical comedy's really good. And I don't think we've had anybody quite as good as him in... I don't know. I can't think of anybody. Not at his was, size. No. The, there is a funny thing, though. Some of the stunts are clearly not him. Yeah. They did not get a stunt man big enough. Yeah. Large enough, I guess. Yeah. So it's just like, wow, he's doing those cartwheels. Looks like he lost about 100 pounds. <laughs> yep. It's so. so, like, he's just, he he plays the naive character really well. It's so very good. funny. Yeah. It's pretty neat. Basically, I said, I love it. Yeah. So good at these things. Why do I even bring this sheet? You don't even need it. It's mostly straight slapstick with the odd dramatic moments. When there's drama, it's just like, wait a minute. Like, that's weird. Uh, there are wild stunts in this movie that have nothing to do with martial arts. It's oh, like, yeah. We're just going to run this forklift into this room and push it off a thing. And like when I, I was like, where, where's the martial arts fun slapstick stuff? We're just going to blow some shit up for no reason. Where's Chris Farley hitting people with giant fish? Yeah. I want that again. <laughs> that part's great. Yeah. The whole scene with him as the chef. That. Oh my goodness! It's smart doing that whole fight scene in a hibachi restaurant because they use like the hot surfaces and yep. all the weird little knives. Yeah, and- when that breaks down, that is a great scene. Yeah, and I'm sure that was not easy to uh, to pull off. No, no, very cool set piece. And and Robin Shu, I'm I'm guessing it's Shu S H O U. Amazing, amazing. He's very really, good in this. Really great. He's good at being funny. His timing's really good. Yeah, because he's kind of like the one who pays for all of Chris Farley's stupidity. Oh, yeah. He always gets he up. Eats, getting... He eats shit the oh, whole time. The whole movie. Yep. yep. He, even up to the last couple moments, he's still eating shit. He it's absolutely great. is, yeah. I don't know. This is not my favorite Chris Farley movie. I, I It's hard for it not to be Tommy Boy. Tommy I, Boy good. Tommy Boy's so good. I, lo- I have a soft spot for Black Sheep. I saw that one in the theater. That Tommy was... Boy 2. Black Sheep. Essentially, yeah. <laughs> Um, but this is just something different from him. Yeah. And I won't say it expands his range, Mm-mm. but it shows you that he's willing to just do a diverse kind of thing. I mean, there are dramatic moments, but yeah. it really is him playing into just being naive where, you know, we've seen it previous on like SNL skits where it's not, it's just stupid versus yeah. naive. Exactly. So it feels familiar in that respect. Yep. So IMDB gave this a 5.6. Rotten Tomato Critics. What do you think a critic would rate this? I would say somewhere, I would not go above a 30. I'm going to go with 27%. You're on the right track. 14%. Holy mother of God. (laughs) That's 29 critics. I can't imagine it getting that. No. Because it's very honest about what it is. If it's billed as a stupid karate movie and it is a stupid karate movie. Those are the movies critics like to pick on, though, because they're easy. Just they get a chance to write a negative review. And critics love writing negative reviews more than they write, like writing positive reviews. 
That's true. It's easier to say something negative than oh, yeah. to Way try easier. to praise something. Yep. The audience, 53%, 250,000 plus. Sure. I give it a five. I think that's a fair place to put it. My wife also gave it a five. Yep. And the mother-in-law, who is a punishing woman and very hard to please, gave it a 3.5. I think I'm in line with you and the, and the wife. I think it does about as much right as it does wrong. Yeah. It's just a thing that's dumb and you could watch it. Agreed. Uh, I asked the mother-in-law today. Mm-hmm. I said, uh, I, she's moved out. She's doing her own thing now. I said, are you going to come back? The audience wants to know. They want to know if they're still going to get the elusive mother-in-law score. She goes, oh, I'll be back. Nice. And I was like... Something about that. Did she put on sunglasses? I'll be back. (laughs) I'll be back. She drives a car through the front of your house. She did do that. (laughs) It was very poor planning on my part. Your turn. Yeah, I'm wrapping this up. Wrap it up. 1990. Oh. Back to the future. (gasps) Part four. Part three. Oh, damn Adrian's Revenge. (laughs) I watched this in August of 2020. It is one hour, 59 minutes American. Mm -hmm. It is sci-fi comedy Western. Yes. Directed by Robbie Z. It is starring Mary Steenburgen, James Tolkien, who plays uh, the uh, the principal through the whole thing. Okay. And Flea from Red Hot Chili Peppers. That's right. Flea is in yes, this. Yes, he is. I forgot about that. Principal Strickland. Took me a second. Uh, he plays the sheriff in this one as well, in the West, which is pretty cool. Mm-hmm. IMDb movie summary. Stranded in 1955, Marty learns of Doc's death in 1885 and then has to travel back in order to save him. With no fuel for the DeLorean, the duo must now figure out how to escape the Old West before Doc is murdered. Mm-hmm. This is a fun movie. I enjoy it. It's got some really cool Western elements. The fact that they built an entire Western hill valley out in the desert for this film is really cool. The fact that you got to see there's again, it pays off so nicely through the, the latter sequels where they pay off the uh, Marty being a chicken thing that uh, like that was a thing for the sequels. Don't call me chicken. Yeah, which is not a thing in the first one at all. Like that's Mm -hmm. never a thing. It doesn't come up until the sequels, but they pay it off nicely. Uh, Them being at the creation and the resurrection of the clock tower, like the whole anniversary is really neat. They have the picture there to tie it together. Uh, Just It's a lot of fun. The music's pretty cool. I like the ZZ Top song. It's not as good as the Huey Lewis song. It's fair though. A few things are the power of love. That's true. Uh, um, but I like it. Double Back's a fun song. I like um, Mary Steenburgen and Christopher Lloyd's romance subplot, and this is actually pretty cool. Yeah, I, I enjoyed that. It kind of because Doc Brown's been the constant in the first two movies. Like he's always the rational one. He makes the rational decisions. Marty's the one who flies off the handle and acts emotionally. Doc's the logical one. Right. And to see their roles have to get reversed, where Marty's like, Doc, we have to get back to the future. You can't. You know I mean, you're going to screw up everything if you do this. And Doc being like, but it's love though. Like right. you know what I mean? I didn't think it was possible, but it is really good. I think the whole thing's a lot of fun it's very endearing the um pushing the delorean with the train is pretty cool love that idea yeah just like such a cool concept through the whole thing it's very simple setup it's just we have by this day we have to figure out a way to get the delorean up to 88 miles an hour that's the setup i really love buford tannin in this buford mad dog tannin love it love a good mad dog mad underscore dog underscore tannin there it is (laughs) (laughs) mad dog i hate that name (laughs) <laughs> um, it's just so much fun. You can tell the stunt guys had a blast on this movie. So much cool horsework, gunplay. It's so much fun. And yeah. it's it's hard not to like this movie. I do think of the three that it is, what do you think I'm going to say? Your second favorite. It is my third favorite. Mm. It is, I think, the weakest, but not by a lot. 
I'd say it's my second favorite. I think that's a fair... I would not fault anybody for saying that they like three better than two. But I love westerns, so I love those little nods. This one's simpler. It gets... There's much better filmmaking in this one, I think. Like, there's some really cool camera work in here. There's a great shot where Doc is talking to Marty. And one of the things throughout the trilogy is Christopher Lloyd is a tall man. Sure. Michael J. Fox is a very short man. Yes. So they had to a lot of trouble framing them both in shots because their height difference is so pronounced. And they did a really cool shot where they're talking to each other and Marty's standing in a mirror. So you see Marty in the mirror and Doc looking at him. Not, you know, like they're essentially facing each other, but having a conversation because of the mirror. It's really smart and it's like framed perfectly. There's so many little nods in here and like really smart shots. I Came love the, the shot where the DeLorean first goes back and all the Indians are on the horses <laughs> around him. Indians! Yeah, that was a great shot. The cavalry! <laughs> it's, <laughs> so good. It's awesome. It's yeah. really fun. And then the bear. Oh, yeah, yeah. It's really good. And then you get into like him meeting his great-great-grandfather and stuff. It's 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 a blast. It's just, it's hard to not have a good time and smile when, like, he's throwing pie pans and saying Frisbee far out. Stuff like that. It's just a hoot. It's so much fun. IMDb gives this a 7.4 out of 10, which is the lowest of the three. Rotten Tomatoes critics, uh, siding with you, Tim, 45 critics give this an 80%, which is a pretty pronounced difference mm-hmm. um, compared to the 66% that Back to the Future Part 2 got. Audience sides with me, 250,000 plus, give it a 78%. And I'm coming just under my 8 with a 7.5 on Back to the Future Part 3. Awesome. It's very good. You can't go wrong watching the three Back to the Future films. You just are going to have fun from top to bottom. It's one of those things because, you know, I was... You know, 1990, I was eight. So, mm-hmm. like, I watched this a lot. Um, the third Indiana Jones has a place in my... Like, certain movies, just because they were new and fresh at the time... Oh, yeah. ...really resonate with me more than maybe they should. There's that nostalgia hit. Yeah, for sure. Absolutely. Well, I got one more movie. Ooh, I like movie. It's a documentary. Ooh, you like those. I do, and I haven't done one in a little bit. I was like, oh, I think they're getting tired of it. <laughs> but this one's from 2020. Okay. The Mystery of D.B. Cooper. Ooh. I love D.B. Cooper. Mm. What an interesting historical figure. Yeah. I watched this on February 13th. It's an hour 25. Documentary is your genre. It is directed by John Dower. Okay. Starring Very Joe. Dower fellow. He's so dour. I don't know how he ever directs anyone. Yeah, I know. Starring Joe Weber, Dwayne Weber, and Tim Collins. Mm. Your IMDb movie summary, a documentary that looks at the well-known case, which is largely regarded as the greatest unsolved heist in American history. Mm. Uh, if you're unfamiliar with D.B. Cooper, back in the 70s, went up in a plane, demanded a bunch of money. They landed, got him the money, go back up in the plane, jumps out of plane, never seen again. Awesome. Half the people think he died. Half the people think he just lived out his life. Yep. And what's interesting about this documentary is it asked the question about several different people. Could they have been D.B. Cooper? Oh, that's interesting. And there's enough evidence. And they talk to their family. Some of the people have passed. Some of the people haven't. So it's yeah. like, oh, yeah, we knew this person. One was a, a transvestite. He became a transvestite woman was one of them. And mm. they're like, oh, yeah, absolutely it was him. And we knew. We knew. And then one day she came to us and was like, yes, I, w- I am actually D.B. Cooper. Wow. Um, there was some copycats that they were like, they thought maybe they actually were D.B. Cooper huh. doing it again. Wow. There's a lot of different things. That's interesting. And it's so good. That's cool. D.B. Cooper really came on my radar because of the Decoded episode by Brad Meltzer. I love that episode. Mm. And it actually does different things that aren't even covered in this, which is ah, Meltzer. wild. Ah, Meltzer. Meltzer, you great. He's very good. I think it's a fascinating story because we just don't know. Right. We, to this day, don't know. Uh, it's weird that they treat him like a folk hero. Mm-hmm. 
and they like have DB Cooper Day, and like they drink drinks that he drank on the plane, which I think is just whiskey. Evade the man. Yeah, it's it's wild. So he's seen as a hero because everybody was like poor, and everybody was not doing pretty well at this time, and it was like this guy got over on the government, this guy got away with it. Yeah, assuming he didn't die when he hit trees in the yeah. forest, kind of thing. Uh, it's pretty fascinating. Uh, the case has since been closed by the FBI. They're like, huh. We don't know. It's official. We don't know. Yep. <laughs> um, so really, I, I don't know. So this is a pretty fascinating documentary. I don't know if it's the best. Just it's a little it, it just flows a little wonky. to me. OK, that's fair. Um, so just from an actual movie making perspective, I think right. it could be slightly better. But just as a concept and presenting these different people and the order that they present them, because something one person says is kind of relevant to something somebody else right. says. Uh, it's pretty awesome. That's cool. So that being said, let's go to the scores. IMDb, 6.5. Okay. Rotten Tomato Critics, 32 critics, 91%. Wow. Pretty shocking. Less than 50 people rated it as the audience, 53%. Okay, quite the difference. So we're everywhere now. Yes, we are. I gave it a 6.5. Nice. I fall in line with IMDb. Yeah, that's fair. My wife gave it a 4.0. Okay. Because no one is being murdered in this. Sure. And the mother-in-law said it was interesting, but she was sleepy. So she did not give it an actual... (laughs) Too sleepy to score. Too sleepy to score. she's honest. I respect that. Yeah. There's at least one more movie. She does that. She's like, ah, too tired to give it a real score. I I like that. I was in and out of it. Yeah. No, that's fair. So... I've been there. Oh, God. All the time. (laughs) Uh, I fake it for the podcast. Ah. (laughs) Bye, everybody. Uh, I'm kidding.